0: Just another Wednesday. No more daily posts, Woo! December 1st, 2021. The inspiration, rest. Every person needs to take one day away, a day in which one consciously separates the past from the future. Jobs, family, employers, and friends can exist one day without any one of us. And if our egos permit us to confess, they could exist eternally in our absence. Each person deserves a day away in which no problems are confronted, no solutions searched for. Each of us needs to withdraw from the cares which will not withdraw from us. Maya Angelou wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Whether you did nano or not, whether or not you've just expended a lot of energy hosting what is absolutely the worst holiday, whether you've been burning the midnight oil or taking it easy lately, rest is essential. I have never valued rest. From the time I was a kid, I valued my hustle, my work ethic, my dedication to getting as much done as possible, as quickly as possible, with as little rest as possible. Getting no sleep has been a badge of honor for me. No more. It's time to take days off, to engage only in activities that are restorative. If that's something active, that's fine, as long as it replaces more energy than it takes up. And if all you have the energy to do is lie in bed and nap or read a book or play a video game, then that's okay. Right now, we as a global culture are learning to value rest. It's a good lesson. The Fat Orange Cat. Nothing. On this rest theme, dear writer, let's talk about the value of nothing, negative space. Define today's work if you must work with the absence of something rather than its presence. The trope. Vulnerability markers. I don't know if this idea is really a trope, because I made it up and I think maybe a lot of people need to be aware of a thing in order for it to be a trope. Anyway, I just recorded the audio version of this chapter from the How Story Works book, and since today is about negative space, I thought I'd share this quick excerpt with you. One of the best ways to draw your reader in is to give them negative space in which to intuit what is happening based on what is not being textually said or acknowledged. You hint at vulnerability by pushing your character towards something and then watching them actively walk around it. The space your character avoids gives us a big clue as to where their vulnerability is. I call those clues vulnerability markers. The question. Aliens. When I said I would answer literally any question, I meant it. This one came from a random internet because y'all have apparently been busy or something. Anyway, here it is. Do you think that aliens exist? Some random internet page. Dear Snip, if you're talking about do I believe that non-Earth-based life exists in the universe, then yes, I believe that aliens exist. Pure probability models suggest this is almost certainly the case. Intelligent life? Eh, Probably. But of course, that line of discussion will almost always lead you to the Fermi paradox, which basically boils down to, if they exist, why haven't they visited us? To which my answer is, if you were part of a civilization that advanced far enough to be able to travel the universe casually, would you want to deal with us? What could you possibly have to gain? Earth has no resources you need because you've already figured out how to get what you need to travel the universe. You're not war-minded assholes who want to take over the Earth because if you were, you would have destroyed everyone on your planet before you ever got the technology together to achieve universal travel. You might, perhaps, buzz the control tower a few times just to fuck with us, but would you want to actually try to talk to us? What value could we possibly have to you? You hang back, wait to see if we manage to survive our own stupidity, and then maybe extend a handshake. The Fermi paradox to me is the Fermi no one wants to come to your dumb party. So bottom line? Yes. The Practical. Parallel Stories. While driving my kid back and forth to Columbus on the Saturdays that boxed in Thanksgiving week, I got an audiobook to listen to, The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. I haven't finished it yet. I was also listening to music and building out a new world for a new story I'm working on. More on that in Saturday's post. But it is such a great example of parallel story structure that I wanted to share it with you. In The Lost Apothecary, there are three protagonists, all with their own stories, all intertwined. Two of the three are together in the late 18th century. One is in the same physical space, but in modern times. It's a story for women about women with a strong theme of motherhood and sisterhood. Again, I haven't finished it, so I'm not sure how I like it, but it held my interest while I was driving, and I saw nothing. Parallel stories, like everything else, have their benefits and their challenges. The benefit of having three stories told from three different perspectives surrounding some of the same settings and themes is great. First person is fun when you're perspective switching like that because the deeper the POV, the more completely the switch in perspective can open our eyes to what we see or fail to see through a particular lens. Parallel stories can also be great if you lose your interest while writing longer stories. If you get bored with one, just start writing the other. A challenge is that you need to be really on your story game. There's no time to stop and smell the roses. You've got to have multiple central narrative conflicts escalating along multiple structures, all landing at about the same time, in the story at least, and there's no dilly-dallying. You're burning plot at both ends. George R. R. Martin does this in the Song of Ice and Fire series, and it feels a bit breathless at times. So parallel stories may or may not be for you as a writer. I have to admit, I'm intrigued. Maybe someday. Everything? L. Drive time. Riding and trauma and bears, oh my. December 4th, 2021. Dear writer, my kids haven't learned how to drive. It was a double whammy of my not having a lot of time and them not wanting to learn. The result of this horrible oversight in my parenting was that I drove to and from Columbus in a single day twice in a week to fetch and return my oldest for Thanksgiving. It was exhausting, but also amazing. Ideas are flowing. I have a new story I'm working with, and it completely opened up for me just from driving and listening to music. I had Spotify play random songs based on my taste. And when I liked one for the book, I hit the heart on CarPlay and it was saved to my favorites, where I'll pull it out later when I build the soundtrack I'll use while doing the collage and writing. I'm kind of excited. I haven't had this much energy for writing in such a long time. And the thing is, I'd kind of given up. Trauma fucks with you hard. I'd grown up experiencing a constant low-level IV drip of trauma without realizing it, but it wasn't until this last tangle with the trauma bear. And here I have a very cute, yellow cartoon of a very happy bear holding up a paw full of honey. It's very cute. And I named him Trauma Bear. That I really understood what it does. And during this last bloody fight, I lost a lot. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I couldn't listen to music. It wasn't just that it was hard. I couldn't do it. I thought I was never going to write another book again, ever. And let's face it, I still might not. But I am feeling the connection to the work again. My brain was overflowing with ideas, so much so that I had to tell Siri to hit up the voice memo so I could talk out what I was thinking while I was driving. I haven't had to do that in a very, very long time. It's so strange how I recognize trauma bear scars everywhere now. I see the scars in my marginalized friends, how their experiences in a society that treats them as lesser or broken create trauma, often generational, that lives in their bones. I see the scars in my coworkers who rush into meetings late, apologizing and seeming perplexed with themselves. They never used to be late to meetings. I can see the scars and responses in social media and strangers I don't even know. I'm compassionate now in a way I never used to be, partially because I've healed enough to be compassionate with myself and partially because it's just so everywhere that my first response when someone is sad, angry, or distant is to look for the familiar trauma bear scars and yep, there they are. So why am I talking about trauma again? Because you have the scars too. I know you do without even hearing anything from you. I may not see you on social media. I may never hear from you in the comments or my inbox, but I know you have them because you live in a world full of global trauma and all of us have gotten swiped by trauma bear. Even those of us who have been unreasonably lucky, who haven't gotten sick, who haven't gotten long COVID, who haven't lost anyone to this disease. We are living in a different, much scarier world. And that's where trauma comes from. When your sense of basic personal safety is threatened, that's when Trauma Bear comes in and takes a swipe at you. There is no one in this world who is aware of what's happening that doesn't bear the scars to some extent, even the lucky ones. I've become the unofficial trauma whisperer at work. I'll meet with someone on Zoom and they'll say something. I'm so sorry I'm late. Can't remember what we talked about last time. Fighting back tears and I don't know why. And then I tell them all about Trauma Bear and what it means and that they should take breaks and naps and not expect to be at their best. Box breathing. Small steps. Good enough is good enough. I made peace with all of that a while ago because my big tussle with Trauma Bear happened some years before the pandemic. For a long time, part of me has thought that Trauma Bear had swiped me too deeply and I would never get those parts of me back that he took. When the pandemic happened, I let him in to take his swipe. I knew there was no escaping him, but because I'd been in therapy for a long time before he came in, I knew how to handle him. Box breathing, small steps, good enough is good enough. But then I took a long drive the way I used to when I was going to give writing workshops or go to conferences. And I played music the way I used to when I was in discovery for new stories. And the story sat down in the passenger seat and started chatting so furiously I had to pull over to get it all down just like old times. Trauma Bear leaves scars, and he takes away some parts of you in his claws after he finally retreats. You will never be a person who hasn't had a chunk taken out of them after a tangle. But you are now, and always will be, you. That was my biggest fear, that I would never get myself back. But I did. So will you. Everything L.